Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, just before we start on this podcast, I want to make sure you understand this is part one of part of two parts. Um, also, Coach and I over the next couple of days are going to be talking about some specific things. I will put links down in the show notes um, to send you to the his resources um, and all the things that he's talking about in this podcast. So, hope you enjoy. Let's head off to the podcast. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 454. Um, happy hump day. Pretty excited about that. Before we dive in too far, into the podcast, I'd like to do a shout out to two things. First of all, to teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, you know, it is the community that I would have wanted as a young coach. It, it's a little bit of everything that you need to become a better basketball coach. It's not only community, it's not only um, resources, it's not only one on one calls and office hours where we get together and brainstorm. Um, you know, I, I've been through the battles you have, I've coached at the levels, you know. Uh, I, there's a lot of people out there running a lot of sites that haven't won, haven't coached NBA guys, haven't haven't been through tribulations. Yes, they might have coached at the collegiate level, they might have been a coach, but they haven't done it on a day to day basis. They haven't taught an entire an entire day of of school and then walked into the gym like I have, or walked over to the elementary school and done an elementary a coaching job. I've been there. I know what you're going through. Let me help you with that. That's the first thing. Second thing is make sure you go over and check out Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. It is. We would love them back as a sponsor. will only happen if you start calling. Make sure you mention Coach Unplugged, and they'll give you $300 off your next purchase. Thanks. All right. Welcome. Oops. Let me take my sunglasses off here. Uh, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. You might be the farthest. Di- I mean, I know I've had some people in the UK. You, you're probably farther from Wisconsin. Than me. <laughs> what time is it right now? It's so it's it's five o'clock Sunday night here. What time is it there? It is seven thirty in the morning, and oh, uh, it is a beautiful morning here in Adelaide, Australia, which is actually on the south 
uh, side of the continent. So uh, okay. I'm looking at, I'm actually looking out over the ocean and somewhere out there is Antarctica, but a fair way away. Well, fair way away. Yeah. <laughs> That's something. So, so I'm, it, it's, it was a gorgeous weekend in Wisconsin this weekend. It's beginning of May when we're doing this and it was probably mid seventies, high seventies. Spring is a great time in Wisconsin. Okay. But last week it snowed. Last week it snowed. Right. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> and I am I, enjoying your uh, Wisconsin accent. I'm Wis- enjoying it a lot. <laughs> you know what? The funny thing is, my kids go, "Do we have an accent?" I go, "Trust me, I went to school out east." <laughs> the Boston, the Boston accents. I can't do a Boston accent. That's worse. I went to school out east, so that one's like a big. But there's definitely a midwestern one and a southern one, and um, it's definitely different. But. Uh, all right, so Coach Coach Lynn, so I, I know a lot about you. I'm going to turn my mic down a little bit. I know a lot about you, but I, what I'm going to do is, this is very conversational. Um, I have a script that I do, but I've, tell, I've done about three of them this weekend, and they've all taken me down different roads. Okay. So it's, we'll, we'll go down whatever road we're feeling like we need to. I'm going to have you do kind of your, like, go through your basketball journey. I always love to kind of like, because everyone's journey kind of maybe in, ends the same spot, but starts yeah. differently. So, so, and it's very intriguing. I was just reading my show notes before we got on here, but just how, how it started, how you ended up where you are right now. Um, and then I know I've got some questions. We'll do some fun stuff at the end where I do, and then we'll talk about your site, what you're doing and all that at the end. So, okay. all right, all right go, yep. so go ahead. It's all yours. Uh, so I guess, um, I started coaching really young um, just because I realized I wasn't very good at playing and I wanted to do uh, basketball as a career. And unfortunately, um, short, unathletic, low-skilled players aren't in high demand in the professional playing ranks. But right. uh, so like I, I started you, coaching. The slow, Sorry, kid, the slow ones aren't they're – not, they're not in demand yet. Like I no, you. especially the ones that can't actually shoot either or dribble with their left hand. So um, – <laughs> Yeah, so I started coaching really young when I was about 13 years old. I coached the mighty under-10s at the Sunnybank Tigers Basketball Club. Okay. And uh, once I hit about 16, I quit playing altogether and just focused on coaching. Um, and so, yeah, I've been – I'm now 40 years old or coming up to 40 years old. So I've been coaching, um, yeah, a fair amount of years. And uh, last uh, 13 years, I've been doing it professionally and it just never feels like so- work. So explain to the people that list that are listening, kind of your progression. What levels did you go at? You didn't you, you didn't end where you, you you did that, but you didn't jump from there to a professional coach, right? What was your what was, right. your, what was your journey? Because people are always intrigued. Because I think they think you can go from point A to point B quickly. It's usually not that fast. Yeah, I actually feel really lucky that I coached every age group from under tens all the way up to the professional level. Um, I feel really lucky about that because I got to, um, I got to really get the the teaching concept down pat. Like, how do I communicate concepts to young kids? And then, as I moved through the ages, those concepts became more sophisticated, and the understanding of the children became more sophisticated. So I kind of layered my coaching development through the years. Um, I felt lucky that I was, uh, because Australia, there's so many great volunteer coaches that um, I actually had to um, perform and, you know, win some things to move on to the next round, if that right. makes sense. So, right. um, yeah, I feel really lucky that I've coached every age group from under 10s all the way through to under 18s and then 
um, second division in Australia, so kind of the semi-professional level, and then taking a step up to the professional level. So, so explain um, the, yeah, I feel very lucky. Explain the level. So, so I, 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 I'm still confused about the whole Ireland, Great Britain. So explain how your levels work. So I'm like, I'm a parent of a kid. That's yep. So what, what's going to happen to that kid? Okay. So in Australia, we have a club-based model. Okay. So not a school-based model. They can play basketball at school. But all the um, high-level representative teams uh, generally come from a club-based model. So you go down to your local basketball club and you can sign up as young as eight years old and play in the under-10s. And then okay. um, you spend two years in under-10s and then you move to under-12s and then under-14s, under-16s. So do clubs try to get other kids' club, players from other clubs? Uh I mean, they do. It's generally frowned upon, but it, it definitely happens. And it definitely happens that kids will drive past their local club to go to a club that um, has a reputation for developing players better than the club that's in their area. Okay. Um, so they're not, they're not zoned to a club. Um, kids go, can go to where they want to go to. Um, right. But generally, they play at a club that's in their city. And okay. those clubs play each other in a club system. And then there will be a representative team of all those clubs that goes to a national championship. Okay. And then what happens when I get to high school? Does this stay in the club thing? Same thing. Yeah. So you, again, you will play for your school um, and you'll play an inter-school competition and there might even be a national, well, there is a national school competition, but um, to be selected in a junior Australian team, um, you generally, you go through the club system. So um, whilst the high school um, system is, you know, it's competitive and it gives another chance for kids to play basketball, um, it's not where they get the massive exposure from. And then how do they make the jump to the collegiate level? Like, I know there's been some big ones that have come over here and played in the state. Yeah, so that's probably where our system kind of has a gap, where once they finish under 18s, um, it's a huge jump before uh, between under 18s and the professional level here. So yeah. a lot of kids Physically. go to, yeah, absolutely it is. Um, you know, sophistication of um, the tactics, um, being a professional, uh, there's just a huge jump. So a lot of them go to the US college system. Okay. Um, but recently, the last year, uh, the owner of the first division league here purchased the second division. And so I think what they're trying to do is uh, really make that transition smoother so that kids can stay in Australia and go from under-18s to the semi-professional league or the second division and then move up to the first. Could, could they go to, can they go to school and play in the semi-professional or not? They can. They can definitely play because uh, it is only semi-professional. So they can definitely study and there's a lot of people that work and have other careers and okay. they play semi-professionally. Okay. Um, but again, the, the coaches there are also semi-professional. So... You know, it's a different. Um, no, I was just thinking from, like, from like my my. I, we live in Australia, and I'm eighteen, and I've got an eighteen year old son, and he's pretty good. Do I want to ship him to the states, or do I leave him there where he can? You know, that's the that's the issue. I think, huh? Is that is that absolutely? A, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's absolutely. So you've got to be if you if you aren't at a club that um, develops the players from say eighteen to twenty one, then maybe you look at uh, sending them overseas. Okay. Um, and does that happen a lot? A lot of kids come over to the States? Yeah, we've got, uh, I don't know the exact number, but there are, um, there will at least be over a hundred Australian kids in the U S college system, both boys and girls. So, 
Um, and they play at all different levels. So high major division one players down to, you know, NAIA, uh, right. junior college. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what do you, so, so I love, I love you. I love the description of your journey about, you know, how you learned, because that, that's the same with me. I think I learned on every step. What do you think the hardest concept for a coach to teach is? To me, I think it's, uh, I think offense is a little harder to teach than defense. And I think um, the concept of advent is probably the most difficult to teach to kids. So um, I, I sent um, to you in my notes that um, on the offensive end, I, I teach very much we're an advantage-based uh, offensive system. Right. So we run actions to create advantages and then the ball gets moved to where the best advantage is. So just that concept is quite difficult to teach. Um, it is very hard so to teach. It's an MB. It's it the MB, it's it's I, it's it's getting a small advantage on the defense and then exploiting right. it. The, the NBA does it all the time. Um, yep. They have to because of the twenty four second shot clock. But 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 that is just like I, I never thought of offense in terms of that until I was fortunate enough to coach in Europe, and that's a very big way of how they teach offense is we're not running this offense to get a shot we're running it to create an advantage and then wherever the ball goes is where the shot happens now of course there's going to be times in a game where you're like we specifically want to get the ball to this player for this kind of shot right but again to do that we need to create an advantage that gets that player open for that shot so um, I guess the easiest way we do that, and we, I just had my skill builder camp here with under 14 uh, players, was to um, teach them what it looks like. So a numerical advantage is a fast break. So we're not on a fast break. We're on a numerical advantage. Right. You know, um, a, a defender that's rushing out at you, that's an off-balance defender. So right. that's an advantage. And when we see that, we drive. So just teaching them about the concept of, creating advantages and then going the next step by actually showing them what it looks like. This is what it looks like. We have two on the ball. That's an advantage. So that's probably the hardest concept to teach. And how do you do that? Exactly the way I've said it. We've, we, we show scenarios We say, what is this? And we label each scenario. So this is a two on the ball advantage. This is a two on the cutter advantage. Okay. This is a two on the screener. You literally break it into very small pieces. Like this is Absolutely. what it looks like. Okay. But it's, but, but to show them that what it looks like, we had to frame it in the concept of advantage. So you can't do one before the other. Right. We need to show them about, well, the, the two main concepts for us are spacing before advantage and advantage before shot. That's how we play offense. And then what does an advantage look like? And we show them what an advantage looks like. Right. And, and I'm telling you, it, it's all about spacing. And the, right. the, more, the more and more I start reading, the more, I mean, the more and more, and I've done this for 30 plus years. It's literally about if your spacing's bad, you're in trouble because then you can't Absolutely. ever get an advantage to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the, and that's the number one thing we teach them is the number one concept is spacing before advantage. There is uh, no sense in trying to create advantage if you have no space to work with that advantage. So, um, you're you're absolutely right. You need to space the floor before you do anything. So so my my retirement thing is I'm going to get one of those things that like the, it's like a shot collar when they get too close to each other. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like put five of them on. It'd be like Hunger Games, and they get too close, they'll get shot because they think they think they're properly spaced, but they're not. Right. 
Um, yeah. No, the, 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 the market version, you can't, you couldn't market that one. The market version would be some sort of vest that would flash when they get too close or something. Right. There's, there's right. something like that, especially the younger, I don't know how big soccer is in, in Australia, but um, most sports like that, it's all about spacing. If the spacing's not right, you can't, you can't create advantages in soccer. It's the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me about your coaching philosophy. Um, I guess like we've talked a lot about on the offensive end, that is my, my philosophy is advantage-based offense uh, with a foundation of the concepts of the game. So I, I like to teach them how to play um, first and then what to do second. And okay. sometimes I think we skip steps. We go straight to this is how we want your foot. This is how we want this. You know, This is what you have to do instead of giving it some context about this is why we're doing things. So right. um, that's kind of, I guess, my offensive philosophy. And I'm, I'm probably more on the side of attacking with the pass than attacking off the bounce. Okay. Um, but, then on, but then on defense, it's um, very much position pressure. So we want to, um, we, we teach the kids what a good defensive possession looks like. Um, and then it's about pressuring and disrupting, but we're not the 95 Kentucky Wildcats where we're pressing and trapping and right. it's, that's not that's you know that, not, not but, hey everybody i hope you're enjoying the podcast if you are a couple things that you can do is you can subscribe and like and you can leave a review i read every one of those reviews they mean a lot to us you could also if you want to help us keep the lights on here um you can go over to uh backslash amazon and that will give us that will go to our affiliate link for amazon so anytime you shop on amazon it won't cost you anything amazon goes ooh. Coach Collins sent them there. He'll, they'll get, we get a small little commission. If we get enough people to do that, it's going to allow us to pay for our hosting fees and all the things that kind of come along with uh, doing several podcasts. Um, so that's a way you could help us out. Also, you could help us out by going over and joining teachups.com for coaches who want to get better. Everybody wants to be a better coach. We are here to help you become that better coach. So I hope you're enjoying this. Back to the podcast. But you yeah. can't, I don't think you can do that in today's game. You don't see that in the collegiate level. You just don't see it anymore. I think the players, are yeah, getting, yeah, they they can. The, the problem is that you, they've gotten so good that they can't. You can't do that. They'll take advantage of you if you do that. They'll exploit the weaknesses in it. Yeah, and I think sometimes we think that the only way we can pressure and disrupt is to put two on the ball. You know, right. put a second defender on the ball, where you don't need to do that. You can apply pressure on the ball one on one and just. Um, and allow the pressure to mount as the possession goes on. You can um, deny passing lanes. You can uh, be in good off-ball position, which builds pressure, but without putting two on the ball unnecessarily. Right. Um, so how do you practice plan? So, so young coaches listening to this from the States, I get questions about practice planning all the time. You know, what would I see if I came into one of your practices and, and how do you, how do you break it down? I think it's a great point that you should have a practice plan. Like I think that's, <laughs> yes. if yeah. there's one thing coaches <laughs> get from this podcast, it's like bring a piece of paper with your, your training plan to every practice. I don't know how you, I mean, so, okay. So I 1000% agree. It just <laughs> boggles my mind that someone, it'd be like me walking into my classroom and not having a plan. Like, Right. Okay, what are we going to do today? It's like, well, yeah. it's no different. So I, I know people do that, but it's like, I, I, yeah. So you're a teacher first, to be honest with you. You're a coach, but you're a teacher. So you better have a plan and sure. then, you know, have more in that plan or things are going well or aren't going well. But 
So what would I, what would I see? And, and how do you break yours down? Because I'm always intrigued by how coaches deal with their practices, what they emphasize. You know, I have the 10-minute rule or 15-minute rule that if I come in your practice, in 10 or 15 minutes, I can tell a lot. <laughs> right. I mean, right. I can, you know. Uh, yeah, I think you need to have an idea of the concepts you want to cover. Um, so, you know, we want to cover uh, half-court defense positioning. Um, so how we shrink the floor. So the concepts we're going to cover, we've got the drills that we're going to use and the time limit. And is it a time, a score, or a possession limit? Like okay. how, are we, how are we scoring this drill? Um, right. But then you need to start uh, putting in your verbiage. So this is the teaching points for positioning. So we're going to talk about playing long so shrinking space so that the offense doesn't have space to attack we're going right. to talk about um our teaching point might be we're going to move on the as the ball leaves the fingertips we're going to those kind of teaching points those yep. one sentence this is how we teach the concept that we that we've put down common and language. then i, I always refer to common language you have to be it's like math i'm a math teacher if you don't have a we don't have a common language we can't talk it's the same in basketball how you yeah. talk about closeout and how I talk about closeout, the language might be a little bit different, like how I'd refer to it, or but we're talking about the same thing. You just got to – people on your team have to realize what that verbiage is or that language is. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think you, we always say you got to speak uh, J Japanese in Japan, you know. Yeah, so yeah. if we're like yeah. – if we're talking – um, using lingo, then we want the players to say it. We want every coach to say it. Um, now, how they teach that concept or how they um, structure the drill, we allow our coaches to have freedom with that. Right. But they definitely need to be talking the same language as us. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's in the training plan. And then lastly, our verbal cues. So um, once we've taught the concept using our teaching points, then we can start using like one-word terms that sum it all up. So, again, using that defensive positioning example we use the word shrink so they understand the concept of shrinking the floor why we right. do it we've given them the teaching points of how to do it so playing long and their, and when to move and then lastly we just say the word shrink and that's just a one word thing that we can when we're playing and we're going we can just say shrink shrink yeah. and they know exactly what we're talking it's, about it's crazy like i one of my big ones if i say it to my guys layup they'll know what i mean and they'll know that we don't give up things in the paint we don't give up layups we don't give up layups in transition it means about six different things but they know that one word means yeah you know we're not we're not protecting the paint we're giving them easy looks we're not getting back on defense all these things that one word can mean many different things and they know it's like, oh, crud, coach, coach is saying layup. We better be, we better be dealing with it. Um, what do you look for for a player in your team? Obviously, you do professionally. What do you look for? What, what, what's, I mean, you look for Kobe, obviously, but what do you look for? <laughs> um, it's funny. I, I got asked this question the other day, and I think the number one thing I look for is resilience. So just like shooting is a skill and dribbling is a skill, um, the ability to pick yourself up after a mistake and dust yourself off and get onto the next play, that's a skill. So, um, again, we explain to the kids why it's important, um, both on and off the court, and then what it looks like. You know, we want you to, after a missed shot, we want you to sprint back. We want right. you to have good body language after a turnover. But I think 
that's a super important skill um, because it manifests itself in so many different things, both on the court with the team and off the court in, you know, if you're not playing, are you going to be able to keep working on your craft? So I think right. resilience is the number one thing I look yeah. for. And I think the the great ones do that. They're goldfish. They have like a three second memory and then they move on. Right. The Tiger right. Woods kind of thing. Um, can you think of one moment that we could dive into that 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 would that you that we that you've learned from in coaching? A game, an experience, a failure, something that we could just one coaching moment that some of this listening to this in Wyoming, wherever. <laughs> Could 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 learn from something that you've experienced. I love this question in the sense that everyone kind of has different experiences and different things they learn along those lines. Yeah, that's a geez, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, for me, it's the value of like open questioning. And um, so, I remember we were in a film a film um, session with one of our teams and. Um, we were going through some some defensive strategy and we were talking about what we were doing wrong. And I, I don't know what it was, but I just had an epiphany of, I don't actually know that they're looking at the same part of the screen that I am. So I asked one of the players, can you actually see this thing happening? And he said, oh no, all I can see is off the ball here where this player's you know, grabbing hold of this player. They weren't even looking at the same thing as me. I know. So <laughs> it made me thought that, it made me think that, this isn't interactive enough. I'm not making this a conversation where we can talk about the element that I want them to focus on. So I did some um, studies. I did a master's of of sports coaching and open questioning was one of the biggest things I got out of it. So I always think about that film session. And when I watch film, I'm like, are they even looking at the same thing as I did? So getting back to this camp. Hold on. Before I forget, before I forget one way I've solved that, is I've gotten three or four different colored laser pointers and I'll throw right. them to them. I swear to God. And I'll say, show me where's the, where's the, what's the good screen here. And I make them yeah. show. So that not only are they learning and trying to point to it that, and then I'll throw one to the next guy and go, okay, hold this. And then I'm going to ask you a question. So I'm just trying to keep them engaged. Um, yep. Or I'll have them, I'll have three or four of them floating around and I'll say, hand it to a teammate. They'll hand it to somebody that hasn't had it. And then they don't know what question I'm going to ask. And it's just keeping them, you know, you know, and then once in a while I'll have one and I'll just throw it to and so then they get lazy, the three have them or whatever. And then I'll get, they'll get lazy. And then I'll, then I'll just throw mine at one of the ones that they don't know when it's coming. So it's like, no, I I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's, you know, laser pointers are great. Um, You know, in the recent camp that I ran, I actually, um, I said to the kids, so we're going to watch a defensive clip. So which teams on offense and which teams on defense are the white teams on offense, the red team. So I want you to watch the red team. Um, We're watching a clip about off ball positioning. So are we going to watch the defense that's guarding the ball defense that's off the ball? Okay. We're going to watch the defense off the ball. So sometimes we actually skip that step and we just assume that they think they're the same as us where we need to teach them. Okay. This is the theme of the clip. This is the team that's on offense and D. Is it an off-ball situation? Is it an on-ball situation? And once they kind of have those three things, then their eyes will track to the right cues. But we shouldn't assume that they're just going to go where we think. And I've done enough. I've done enough questioning. What you talked about, they're watching themselves. Absolutely, they're, they're watching themselves. 
So, so, so for, for the people that are listening, what's really good is that, especially if you're talking, maybe you're not talking about your own team. If you're talking about another team, try to do it where you're not playing them because then they'll be more, they're not be, they won't be saying, where am I? Or, you know, the least <laughs> five guys in the court. Um, but yeah, that's it. From a teaching standpoint, film is great, you know, but you, you're going to have some kids that that visual isn't, you, you have to give kids different ways of learning. So some of them are, you know, auditory, they'll hear you. Some of them need to write it down. Some of them actually need to do it physically. So you have to go through, and I, I try to, by within the first month, figure out which, which way every kid learns the best. And it's hard. Um, you know, this kid's, a, this kid's a scout kid. You know, he needs a paper scout, and he'll learn all that. You know, this kid needs to have a one-on-one film session with me every week. You know, it's hard to do that as coaches because it takes a lot of time. But I think it's an effective tool. Are you there? Did I lose you? Yes, sorry. Oh, okay. No, no I was I was intently listening. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going. You're pausing on radio is bad. Dead time. It's like, okay, I, I, I stopped. Did he not? Okay, that's funny. That's okay. Full stop. There's totally full stop. agree. <laughs> it's a full stop. Okay. Well, hopefully we didn't lose we didn't lose anybody at that point. Um no, they just went and got an extra cup of coffee. They're like, yeah. there's a break in the show. Jeez, no. like finally. Well, most people when they're doing this, I'm telling you, they're either mowing their lawns, they're in the car, they're doing their commute, they're exercising. So it's like they're well, they're doing something like that. All right. If you could pick one fundamental drill, one drill or one drill, what would that drill be and why? And and explain. Okay, so- yeah, so my favorite drill is a drill called overlap shooting, and it is a uh, numerical advantage drill. We okay. generally do it four on three, um, but I have done it five on four as well. Um, okay. So that the offense is spaced four out of the three-point line with two kids in the corner and two kids on the slots. Okay. And then there's three defenders uh, that start in the keyway. Yeah. Um, what did you, you call it? It's called overlap shooting. No, no, no. What you, in, where are the three guys? In the keyway. In the keyway. In, in the key, the, in the lane, in the paint. Oh. In the paint. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've, never, right, right, right. I've never heard that expression. We've got to get our verbiage right now, Coach. Yeah, yeah. we got to get our verbiage right. <laughs> I've heard the lane. I've heard the paint. Keyway. Yeah, okay. the key. Okay. Okay. Inside the so, key. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Inside ah. the key. So, inside the key. Um, so the good thing about this drill is you can um, – the points of emphasis can be offense or defense. So on the offense end, it's obviously we have given you an advantage and we want you to move the ball to where the best advantage is. So it's decision-making, it's being shot ready. um, And generally we score it with, you can either shoot threes or you can shoot layups. um, But if you're going to shoot a perimeter shot, it has to be uncontested because you have a numerical advantage. Right. Um, At at the rim, it could be contested or uncontested, um, but it, you know, at the rim is generally a pretty good shot. So um, we start the drill by saying to the offense, you can only stay in your spot unless you're driving it um, or you're relocating because someone's driven and kicked out. Um, And then you can start uh, phasing the drill. We say you can move, you can cut, you can um, move in on receiver spots. So, um, yeah, like that's generally the concept on the offensive end. Okay. And then on the defensive end, it's the concept of closeouts and communication, um, contesting shots, rebounding when you've got a disadvantage. And it's only in the half court. Yes. Yeah, so it starts in the half court and then you can phase it. So you can break out off stops. Okay. Um, we do a lot of, you can break out and we 
play five and five. So the extra players are around half court. Okay. So we have that scenario where it's a dynamic decision-making, you know, overlap shooting drill, and then we break out into five and five. Do you keep scoring it, or is it just a one and done? Hey, Coach, hope you enjoyed that. Um, I would ask that you stop the car right now, you pull your credit card out, and go and join teachings.com for coaches who want to get better because what you're saying to yourself is, I want to get coaching from Coach Collins. I want to become a better basketball coach. I want to take it to the next level. Um, and let me help you do that. Also, make sure you subscribe and like, leave a review. Those are important. Um, you know, they, they allow us to get the word out about Coach Unplugged and High School Hoops. And also, if you're thinking about doing any shopping, click down below the Amazon link. Um, those, you know, every time you go shopping, we'll get a small little affiliate uh, kickback, and it helps us with our hosting fees. All right. Talk to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.